Welcome to the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name's Neil. Matthew Statler. That's Matthew Statler. <laughs> He's <the> weird. <laughs> of the oddball of the podcast. And we are coming back at you again, continuing on in our podcast series on 10 questions to diagnose your spiritual health. You know, Matt, um, I don't know when this became popular, but, you know, 10 years or so ago, I guess, I started seeing these little yard signs everywhere, which was, I heart my church. I don't know if you saw those things too. Um, no, um, well, I'm, I'm in the heathen land. I saw them everywhere, you know, and I think it, you know, it's probably a little cheese ball-y or whatever, but uh, the the words themselves were meant to connote that, hey, this person loves the, their local assembly, the people that they belong to. And, you know, even though it was kind of a silly thing to see as I was driving around, uh, it kind of stuck with me, this idea of loving your church. And, you know, Whitney, in this this next question that we're going to cover together, really focuses on that idea of, do you delight in the bride of Christ? Do you love the church? And, and I mean, you can probably attest to this too, but it seems like this is becoming an unpopular thing with every passing year. Why do you think that is? I mean, I think there's so many different, you know, possible reasons. I, I also am seeing that rising trend. Um, you know, I love Christ, but I don't love the church mm. or I hear stuff like, um, you know, I love Christ, but not Christians, you know, things like that. And, and I get the sentiment. I mean, you know, let's be let's be completely honest. Christians are just as sinful as as many others, and in fact, are sometimes less <clears throat> less holy than uh, they should be. Um, but I, I I think there's an anti-authoritarianism, an anti-authority um, zeitgeist in our age, right? People just don't like to be accountable, and they don't like to to have authority in their life. Um, and, you know, that could stem from any number of things. But I think one area is the key word here in his question is, do you delight? Uh, do you love? And, um, you know, it's it's interesting to me that we could go and watch like hundreds of um, baseball games, football games, but we can't rattle off maybe even any kind of major details about the last 20 games that we watched. I don't know about you, um, but we got, you know, we got a, a world series coming up. The diamondbacks are going to destroy the, um, the Rangers. Friends becoming enemies. We'll see how that comes up, but you know, within 48 hours, it's going to be forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. And I would add too, man. I, I mean, how many people do you know who could rattle off every player on some sports team? Um, but they may, probably couldn't name off 10 people in their church. You yeah. Know? Well, that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and how easy is it to get bored? Yeah. Right? Bored with church, bored in church, but you can binge watch Netflix or something else. Yeah. Or I miss Lord's Day because. The Cowboys came on. They were the early game that day or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember growing up. I grew up in Dallas, right? So uh, Dallas Cowboys are a religion there. 
yeah. but I remember seeing deacons while church was going on. You remember? I don't know. You you grew up in Africa, so maybe you didn't see these. But there were these little portable TVs that that were like <laughs> super heavy and long. They were tube TVs, you know, and they would watch the game during the church or during you know evening service. Uh, deacons in the church, and I remember just going, "That's weird," you know, <laughs> like yeah. that. Yeah. That's peculiar. And and what's the score? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, you think about it like if, if like Super Bowl or any kind of big game, like you clear the schedule for those things. Like you you make sure that there's food, you um, you know, and we don't do that with church. We don't delight in church. Uh, we don't delight in the people of the church. And uh I think that's what Donald Whitney is is hitting at here pretty hard. Yeah, is one way to diagnose your spiritual health is asking yourself the question: Do you personally delight in the bride of Jesus Christ? Mm. Uh, and you know, Paul Washer has a, a sermon uh, kind of talking about a bride and you know loving his bride and, and things like that. And I and I think about it often. You know, if you invited me to hang out or wanted to do something with me, but said, you know, I like you, but I don't like your wife. Yeah. I'm not sure that we can be friends, you know? Um, And I think our interactions would be limited at best. And so uh, just a lot of things to think about in this question, you know, and, and, and Neil, maybe this is a bigger topic than we want to handle on the podcast today, but we recognize that people have been harmed um, and grieved greatly by the church, by members of the church, by pastors, by elders, by deacons. Um, you know, we, we think about traumatic things that have happened to people absolutely uh, in and, and from the hands of the church. And so uh, we recognize that reality, and that's not what we're going to deal with directly today. But I do think um, there's an awareness that needs to be said, like, you know, you can be hurt really bad by the people uh, I had a, I had read one thing about a guy. He said his, his dad never brought him back to church after an incident, you know, between him and another guy, uh, for like 15 years. And so this, this poor kid grew up without the church for 15 years. And I just wonder, well, why don't you go to a different church? Yeah. You know? So, uh, um, and I think that's because, you know, one of the reasons why is we tailor, or connect our hurt, whatever that may be, and whatever level that may be, uh, to an institution versus to the you know sin committers within the institution itself. Yeah. And so what Whitney's really getting at is, hey, dude, let's let's look at the the institution itself. And he says this really beautiful. I found it profound uh, section here. He's he, he says. Uh, on a grander scale, Jesus made an incomparable journey from heaven and worked for more than 30 years for the delight of his eyes, the church. Christ also loved the church, writes Paul, and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And so and what Whitney's trying to capture there is like, as you said, Matt, like if someone said to you, 
hey, I like you, but your wife keep her clear of me, you know, that would be an issue on a grander scale. This is Jesus's bride. He has instituted the church and the church contains those who he has saved, brought from death to life uh, for his glory and for his purpose and for our good. And so when we connect, so that's a grand scale universal type church language there. Um, He saves a people and then they are all over the world. And they are meant to unite together on a local scale uh, to execute the mission and vision and purpose of Christ uh, for the sake of his name and for the good of the saints. And so we should be in our pursuit of Jesus, in our pursuit of knowing him, our love and delight for the church as we lock arms together and do those works uh, should be um, you know, being cultivated should, it should give birth to really beautiful things. Uh, it should be more and more healthy over time. Does that mean it won't have its bumps and bruises along the road? Of course not. Right. <laughs> Anytime you show up to church, you've brought sin into the church, you know, That's right. and so as everybody else, um, but Christ is doing through the work of the spirit, a supernatural work in a, in a people, um, and, and he, he's allowing them to do that together as like a family. And, uh, we, as we should grow in a love for our parents and our children and our spouses, we should also grow in love for our church family as well. Our delight should continue to be fostered and grow. Um, so that's kind of like big 20,000 foot view, right? Um, let's, let's kind of get into the the nitty gritty, unless you have something to add to that. No, I, I, and I think the nitty gritty is kind of where we want to go. Um, because the question that, that Whitney asked is, you know, do you delight in the bride of Christ? And he says, delighting in Christ's people is normal, healthy Christianity. So permit me to ask you this question to help you diagnose your spiritual health. Do you delight in the bride of Jesus Christ? Do you take pleasure in those who bring pleasure to him? And I think that's a weird way of saying, um, do you enjoy people who are enjoying God? Yeah. Right. And, and, and man, I, I tell you, there's just nothing like it when you come to church on a Sunday and you're surrounded by um, people and they're all singing praise songs to Jesus. Um, you know, the only reason that I'm in that room is because we're here to see Jesus mm. and to sing praises to him and, and, and hear from him. Yeah. There's no, there's no other societal, familiar, social ties that would bring me to that room other than Jesus. With, and I would add with, within an, a very eclectic group of people that you would right, probably yeah. never um, you know, fellowship with, you know, on a, in a normal manner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would, a lot of these people are people that we would not, if we saw them walking down the road or bumped into them on the street, wouldn't spark up a relationship with <clears throat> age, age wise and, and, and every other, uh, you know, social reason, but yeah, but yeah, we're here with one purpose and God has created and for him a people who will worship in spirit and truth. Amen. And man, I just um there's nothing you know, like that. You, yeah, how can you how can you not take 
delight in that. And, and I would say there's maybe a spectrum, uh, is sure. what he's trying to get at. Right. So do you take pleasure? Do you delight? Uh, how are, how, what's the level, what's the gauge? Um, and you know, we see him continue to walk through that. Yeah. So the kind of first gauge would be, uh, do you delight in the bride of Christ willingly? Yeah. I, I love every, uh, Saturday night I get on Facebook, um, and look at what, what my friends have said. And I always see pastor Matt Statler posting this particular <laughs> thing. And he, he says something to the effect of, uh, Sunday worship is a Saturday evening decision or something like that. Yeah. Right. I, I think I stole that from somebody else, but probably we're, we are technically acquiring everything as we go acquiring. That's right. Yeah. But uh, but I I love the the thought behind it of uh, man we we prepare our hearts to enter into the temple, enter into the gates with thanksgiving, right? <laughs> and that that's a pre decision that we have to make. So the pre decision for a Christian is, I'm a follower of the way of Jesus Christ, and He has established an institution called the church, and I get to assemble with other people who believe the same thing as me. We are of one mind, unified in one purpose, and we're going to go glorify God together. And so, man, I'm, I'm willing, I'm not begrudgingly going into the, <laughs> into the doors of the church, man. I'm often literally skipping, man. I'll get, I get fired up and you know, maybe you're listening. You're like, well, you guys are pastors. That's why you're all fired <laughs> yeah, up about church. That's what it is. Yeah. And I have not always been a pastor, but since I was a boy, um, because of the way my parents discipled me to view the church, even when it was tough or uh, a dying church or a frustrating place to be, it was always it was always presented to me like, no, this is this is who we are, and this is for our good. So let us thank you know with gratitude. Um, make these decisions and go and assemble. And uh, I love that, that I inherited that gift from my parents because one of the first changes I made in my life, Matt, when, uh, when I had, after I had walked away from the faith for a season coming back, the first thing that came to mind other than opening up God's word and beginning to eat it <laughs> was I need to be with other saints. Um, I have, I have to be with other saints. Uh, I yeah, can't need, do this by myself. Yeah. You don't have to teach someone to need food. I mean, yeah. like, like I, I know that I need to eat. I must fuel my body. <clears throat> I'm not making up a, a duty list or a plan to make sure that I get food in my system, you know? And uh, so he, he says that this delight is something that, God puts in us. Uh, he quotes uh, several different good passages, but he's really emphasizing uh, David in the Psalms. Yeah. Psalm 122, one, I will delight in these people. Oh, excuse me. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so the heart has changed so dramatically that it becomes easy. And I really like what he said here. He said, something is amiss when a person participates in the life of a church only because of the forces of ought, mm. right? Like I ought to go to church. I, I ought to do this parental training, family expectation, long-term habits, heavy weight of conscience. 
and a sense of duty are not the overriding compulsions of the Christ-like as they arise on the Lord's day to gather with God's own. That is not to say that rightly motivated worshipers have none of the other influences, for some of them are quite healthy, but the primary motivation for growing Christians in their church participation is want, not ought. Mm. And, and I think I would say yes and no with Donald uh, Whitney and you know hate to disagree with him. But I think there is a level of habit forming uh, that re does require like there hey, are good duties, good duties. Yeah, like we need to, you know, if if you've ever um, tried to like train yourself to run more often, you put your shoes, you know, uh, your running shoes by the bed or you put your toothbrush in a location that will remind you or, you know, any habit that you have. It's not that you don't want to do this thing or you don't delight to do this thing. Uh, it's just that you need some uh, reminders. You need some things. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with talking to your kids, having them lay out their clothes uh, for Sunday morning, uh, little things to get to make it smoother for you, less stressful. Uh, but ultimately, the overriding thing is if you delight in something, you will go do it. Yes. Right. I I know when I was hunting ducks back in the day, I really liked to hunt duck hunt uh, to hunt ducks. And so I would get up at three, four o'clock in the morning, two or three or four o'clock in the morning so I could get out to the pond that I want to set up on. Right. I'm getting up super early. You know, it's hard, but I do it because I delight in the hunt. But I will tell you, if you say, hey, set your alarm for three or four now, I would tell you you're crazy um, because I'm not pursuing a goal. So um, all that to say is when you delight in something, it takes a lot less effort and habit in order to do it yeah uh, and i think that's what uh, whitney is getting at here is it's when you make your kids do something versus when they delight to do it yeah and the same thing goes with other means of grace so think about the church as a means of grace but you know being in god's word is a means of grace for us there are days where you uh, may not necessarily want to get in the word, but because you understand the necessity of it, you will walk out that duty, that responsibility. Um, and and also the return on investment there is always joy. You, I've never met anyone who was like, that was a waste of time, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and for the Christian, like there may be days where it is, it is like everything in the universe is trying to keep you from going to church and you yep. still get there and you're frazzled, your hair's a mess, you're frustrated. The kids have already gotten spankings on the way to church and you are, you, you, you settle in and by the end of it, what the Lord does because he's given you his spirit is he ministers to you and he allows the saints to minister to you in their singing and in their prayers and with the preaching of the word and for, and for just, you know, actually talking to people who love you, you know? And so this is the idea of, are you delighting willingly? Do you have a motive in your heart that says, I desire this good thing because I desire Christ? Um, so that's kind of the first one. The second one is then similar to the first, but it's do you delight in her company? You know, Matt, one of my favorite things on Sunday morning that I see every week at our church, we have this 
you know, we uh, we retrofitted this big house and like built a sanctuary out the back of it. Um, but that house has this huge front yard with all these trees, and it's really it's really delightful. Well, after each service, what what I get to see, because I walk out first and I say goodbye to everybody, you know, it's part of our pastoral rhythms. And uh, man, everybody just stays in the front yard and spends time together and ta- engages and the kids play in the front yard. And like, it's, it's almost like sometimes when the second service folks are coming in, it's hard for them to get in the doors because there's so many people outside just enjoying each other's presence, their company. I think this is kind of the idea here that Whitney is uh, touching on in the growing delight of the company of the saints. You know, um, there are many, many uh, contributing factors to why people don't enjoy the company of others, right? Um, We're very individualized in our culture. We uh, want things our way, according to our wills. Um, We, we get enough of people maybe during the week. Um, But when we come to church, when we assemble together uh, and we understand that these people here, God has put into my life and they care and love me. I need to care and love them as well. I need to delight in being around them. Uh, where have you seen this kind of in your, in your church body? Man. Yeah. I, I, I love seeing it. And is I, what I love the most is those who don't have it together. Right. Those mm. who are a sloppy mess. Me too. Um, I'm one of those. Be, well, yeah, me too. Uh, but because they they come in, and one, they are the people that are usually looking at finding ways to comfort and bring joy to other people, right? right. Even though they're a mess. Um, two, man, there's, they they worship different mm-hmm. uh, because they they see their great need for a great savior, and um, when someone has been humbled, when someone uh, knows their need man it's just a completely different environment and and my fear sometimes about talking about like you know you need the church you need to be fed you need you know you need you need you need you come to the church thinking okay it's all about me take and my, take take yeah yeah so i'm here to, i'm here to listen to songs that i want to listen to i'm here to um uh, pray the prayers that i want to pray i'm here to hear the words that i want to hear uh, but ultimately <clears throat> It's a it's a giving of worship to the Lord and a serving of others that also uh, is part of the dynamic. And so, uh, you're you're encouraging the joy in others, and and that man, I just I love seeing that. Um, he says here for the Christian, the presence of the saints in the land, just by virtue of their being saints, evokes delight in those who delight in God. Neil, the sermons that I preach that are overtly Christ-centric, um, you know, there's certain passages in Scripture that are just, they just scream of the beauty and the glory and the Colossians 1. Us. Colossians 1 and, and Philippians and... Philippians 2, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, you you read those passages and when you preach it, man, I tell, and, and a lot of funerals lately too, when you preach Christ and funerals, the true believers feel at home oh yeah and and it's just it's an amazing thing to watch like you know i think all scripts all scriptures god breathed and useful and 
Um, but reading through some of the land promises and Joshua preaching them of those that do point to Christ, and that's great. But when the entire passage is just nothing but Jesus, I just I see that those who are truly called delight. Uh, those mm-hmm. who who belong to him, you know, the presence of saints in the land by virtue of their being saints. Um, not only are they delighting, but they're delighting with others. And so there's just something about a Christ-centric fellowship um, that is delightful, I guess you would yeah. say. Well, and, and it makes you want to be around them. Yes. You know, like, yeah. and more than just Sunday, you know, like we, we do things like home groups. We call them community groups. We do discipleship groups. What's so last year, right? Uh, how we do discipleship groups. So I'm just going to brag on my church a little bit for a second, uh, if you'll permit me, Matthew. Uh, but but uh, last year we, you know, we do discipleship groups, and the rhythm is on Sunday evenings, and it goes men one week, the next week women, and so on and so forth. Well, Super Bowl Sunday landed on a men's discipleship group night, and uh, our elders asked asked me uh hey are what what are we thinking for that evening i was like oh i'm not canceling like (laughs) you know we're gonna do men's discipleship group and dude it was the same numbers uh for any other sunday evening and these guys men who like football (laughs) or as some call it sport ball um (laughs) And they they were there and they were talking about, I believe that evening they were talking about um the 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 spiritual discipline of Bible intake. And there was a desire to be around each other, to hold each other accountable towards how they are currently being in God's word, intaking God's word. And then and then they caught the second half of the football game. And I remember just like walking away from that going. I've never seen something like these people love each other. Like, and you know, I'm there, I'm going to be there period. Cause you know, maybe, maybe something's yeah. off in me. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, I could have, I could have done, I could have figured out a way to not be there, but I wanted to be there. But when I got there, what I saw the, of the other men in the church was they delighted being around each other and they saw the need to be around each other. And it was, it was glorious, man. And, uh, and I think that's the, the idea here that Whitney's capturing is, are your, are your affections growing for the people in that local assembly as well, uh, regardless of who they are, right? You enjoy being around the saints who love Jesus like you love Jesus. Now, the, the, the last kind of section is, is where Whitney always rolls up his sleeves, right, Matt? Yeah. Um gets to work. So, yeah. So he 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 kind of shifts and I think these things are really tied together. He could have probably just left them under one heading, but he, he then goes into do you delight in the activity of the bride of Christ and the work of the bride of Christ. And then he talks about expressing your delight and that directly engages the work itself. So let's talk for a little bit about what are the activities of the local church. What does the local church do and how do we grow in our delight for it? Yep. So he says, do you delight in her activity? And then he tells a pretty cool Star Wars, Star Trek story, uh, Star (laughs) Trek story. Um, And then expressing your delight. 
So the first thing is one of the church's activities is expressing delight. Mm. Um, delight is much more than fancy. <laughs> uh, true delight must be expressed. If you delight in a sunset, it evokes a response, a sigh, a smile, a wow, a comment to someone, a prayer, a thanks. Or in today's society, it's uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, or whatever they call it now. Uh, it's a picture of it, and then it's a posting, right? We want to share this amazing sunset. I always joke uh, with people around here since we're in Arizona. Um, you know, people don't go to the edge of the Grand Canyon and scream out, everybody look at how great I am, right? It's, no, look how great this is. We we feel small. So uh, one of the church's activities is expressing delight. Uh, in, Psalm 16. In, in God. Go ahead. Yeah, in God. Yeah, Psalm 16, 3. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Um, what was funny, uh, I heard a, a pastor share a story about a woman came up to him after service and said, you know, I really uh, did not like the singing today. I really didn't like uh, your message today. And, you know, he said all that stuff. And, and he said, well, the good news is that the message, the singing um, was not about you. You know, it's about God. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. You know, why, why did you come here for you or for God? And so that's right. Um, yeah. And, and Whitney says, yeah. and Whitney says, uh, you know, to delight yourself in anything else more than God and the work of his kingdom, which happens in the local church is like contenting yourself with watching a video of someone else's wedding ceremony when you could be on your honeymoon. Nope. <laughs> like, that's like i mean what would you rather have like when we when we assemble together and we corporately begin to delight in our god together that's the main activity of the local church um uh, man that's like the wedding feast you know the banquet you know we we're we're getting to eat good food that's thanksgiving dinner every every sunday morning uh regardless of you know, adversity or circumstance that you may be in. Right. And what I love about Whitney is he, he gives us some practical, right? Yeah. So he says, you know, there's two possible suggestions for expressing your delight in the saints of God. First one relates to raising the temperature of your delight in the church and her work. Mm. And the second has to do with outward change. So he says, grow to see the bride of Christ and her work more as Jesus does. Yeah. Right. So study, what is the purpose of the church? What is this about? Sing songs about it. Uh, one of my favorite hymns lately has been, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, hmm. right? Because I just imagine this entire congregation, thousands of tongues praising my Savior's name. Uh, and, you know, that's what the church is all about. Yeah, you know, it, I think it's recognizing too, Matt, that, the work of the church and the work of Christ is an eternal work. That's right. um, and that transcendent perspective, I think is super helpful for the way that we grow uh, to see the bride of Christ in her work as Jesus does. It's not just a temporary thing. You didn't just come to church on Sunday. You didn't just serve the kids that week. You didn't just whatever you name it. Right but you engaged in a supernatural, transcendent, eternal work of God. And, and there are simply not enough words. I think the greatest dilemma of the believer 
is that when we don't have enough words to um, to communicate the character and goodness and work of our God, you know, you brought up a hymn, so I'll bring up one, you know, uh, regarding this dilemma. You know, Isaac Watts wrote this hymn called Join All the Glorious Names, and he said, he said this, join all the glorious names of wisdom, love, and power that ever mortal knew, that angels ever bore, all too poor to speak his worth, too poor to set my Savior forth. You know, I think about that. There are not enough words to describe the work of our God. There are not enough words. There, we're all too poor, <laughs> you know, but nonetheless, God himself calls us into these spaces to strive forward in this work and to understand this is an eternal thing that we are we are engaging in and and that's beautiful right uh, it's kind of like serving something bigger than yourself kind of attitude um that I, I love how you brought that up because you know everything else is going to crumble and fade yes the Christ is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, Amen. the one thing that is going to be eternal is, is the, the universal church, uh, the Amen. people of God. And why would you not <clears throat> want to invest your time, your energy, your money in something of eternal value? Yes. Um, more so than, you know, a, a Netflix TV series or, um, you know, various other things about, you know, getting a better golf swing or, or working on your, um, um, I don't know, your, or knowing uh, every stat of your favorite sports team. Yeah. PR <laughs> or getting your orc to level 80 or, you know, like all these various things that are just so transient in life. Like there's something that is eternal that we can invest in now and today. Um, yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of that conference we were at and Ernie Baker said, uh, I would, uh, I would rather, he says something to the effect of, I would rather that my, the counselors that I'm training would not spend their efforts and energies and time striving to know the various psychologies of our world, but would instead speak all or spend all of their efforts and time striving to know their God and his word, you know? Yeah. And I, I think the same thing goes there. And, and you really, that was a kind of a segue into that second expression of our delight, which is to de demonstrate your delight in the bride of Christ in ways that'll make a real difference, you that's know? Right. And, and that's what he says, like, how are you giving your heart and your time and your money and your zeal for the bride for whom Christ gave his very life? And then how long you should do it as long as you're alive. Is the short answer, right? Like, right. We should strive forward, giving our time, our energy, our resources, our talents, um, because this is what Christ has given his life for. And when we maintain that kind of perspective, it begins to change the context around us. You know, there's Matt, there's this church in our community called New Sunset, and they're in North Colleen, which is a very low income part of town high crime you know all that kind of stuff and we 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 support them but one of what i love is their uh the way they communicate they say they're for the 41 right 76541 is the zip code and the, their whole idea is we want to be a church that makes the 401 visibly different and better because christ has made us 
visibly different and better. And so, man, like that, that to me communicates this principle that we want to engage in the work in our local community, through our local church, um, in an effort, in an understanding that if, if the city thrives, then we also thrive, you know? Yeah. I, I love how he ends this whole section. He says, imagine a history book written in heaven a million years after the end of the earth. How much space will be devoted to the stock market, corporate mergers, presidential elections, and football championships? Won't it be dominated instead by actions in and through local churches, deeds that passed unnoticed at the time by people the world overlooked? The names of many mighty and noble persons may be mere footnotes, but the names of those who love the Lord and minister to his saints will fill its pages. And written in gold letters on the flyleaf may be this inscription, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. Hebrews 6.10. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. Do you? So that <clears throat> essentially is the question. Do you delight? in the bride of Christ, and if not, or if your delight is low, what steps, practical steps, can you take uh, to begin to delight even more? Let's give quick uh, three quick suggestions. I think number one would be to, um, one, read the passages of, scriptures about the, of Scripture about the church, right? Think about Hebrews 10. Think about um, uh, Ephesians 5. Uh, I know that most people think of that only as marriage, but it gives us a clue into the heart of Christ for his bride, right? Matthew 18, um, uh, what, what's the one in, in uh, Ezra? <laughs> I think it's Ezra 3. Everyone gathers together to hearing the word of God and you know, so on and so forth. So those are some good ones to get you started. Study God's word about the church. And then also start to think of like, what is a healthy church look like? And how do I be a, um, a injector of health into the local church that I've been called to participate in and assemble with? Uh, and then a third category, what do you think, Matt? I think serve. Um, serve, yeah. I think serve, man. Like, don't just come and be a consumer, be a producer, serve one another. Um, I think as you serve the saints, you will begin to appreciate um, them in a deeper way um, as they appreciate you as a result of your service to them. And they look for opportunities to serve you as well. So I think those are three quick things that you can do. Um, what is a healthy church? Study the, the scriptures regarding the church. And then just roll up your sleeves and serve. and. Uh, and I think you do some of those things, you're going to, it's going to cultivate in you a heart for the church. So, well, guys, we appreciate you listening to the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Neil and Matt, we out.